Welcome to Why the Long Face, two old friends lifting the lid on mental health over a beer with author and psychiatrist Paul Keedwell and business consultant and so-called comedian Ollie Turnbull. Hi and welcome to the very first episode of the very first season of our new podcast Why the Long Face, a podcast about mental health Uh, the first season of which is going to deal with depression and this is the very first episode. In it we're going to talk about coming out which is basically acknowledging that you might be suffering and reaching out to friends and family as the first step to recovery. Have you got your beer there? Oh yeah. I was going to open mine I think. Oh. Will you open yours yet? I've opened it yeah yeah. I'm a bit ahead of you. A little little bit of a swig I think. It's not supposed to be about the beer is it? Supposed to be about no, but we're supposed to do the episode. It's over a beer, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. So yeah. the, the, the yeah, episode yeah, 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 lasts yeah. as long as the beer lasts. Oh, okay. perfect. So if you're really thirsty one day, it's going to be you're not going to get value for money because it's going to be over in twenty minutes. It's a great, it's a great premise. I like <laughs> that premise. The premise is over a beer, and you have a beer. You're talking you about the premise while yeah. we were live recording. This is this is this is going to be on the finished product. But people need to know the premise. Okay. People right. need to know the premise. Oh. They don't know us. All right. They probably, you know, they it's not a smooth start. So I like it. I'm a bit embarrassed already. I like it. I think we slid into it really, really, really nicely. Oh God! You're not going to do, do sexual innuendos, are you, all the way through? Might do. Might okay. do. Right. Might do. I, I, I promise nothing. Yeah. I promise nothing. Well, like let me that. slide into uh, our subject of the uh, evening. Which nice. Is. And we're doing the segues already. We've only just started segways, doing podcasts. And and you know all the lingo. Yeah. I'm just a psychiatrist. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. Um, so today we're talking about, uh, well, you wanted to talk about, uh, what did you want to talk about? Well, the premise <laughs> of the whole thing is, the premise of the whole thing is I work in business. I work in consultancy. I've seen a, what I think is prevalence of mental illness, mental illness, anxiety, depression mostly. You're a psychiatrist and only for 30 years. And I'm, I'm interested in not exactly the lighter side of depression, but I'm just interested in sort of undemonizing it and getting people to understand it a little bit more. And it's all wound up in this thing about people being more open about their mental health yeah, these man. days. And, and so that's the central premise of the podcast. So we thought we'd talk about, well, we saw about the stigma, I suppose, and coming out. I mean, that's the... Coming out with depression. Which yes, is, which is because um, you were saying you you'd uh, there was a guy at work who uh, so, you were really surprised re- today when he actually said to you, uh, "No, no, 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 it wasn't my mother. It was me. I yeah. was depressed." It was an amazing moment, and like, we, we we started to call it you and I coming out mm. because it is sort of like that because there is a ridiculous and unnecessary shame about it, and there is a reticence of people to admit to it. I'm finding more and more people are doing it, but that's exactly what it felt like when this lad said to me, and it's happened to me more and more. I get sort of older and more in position of management, and I see this with people that I'm responsible for, uh, and I uh, feel, you know, quite quite sort of paternal over them. And when this lad came out, the sort of look came over his face, not of shame, which was nice, but of uh, trust, actually. Mm. And he obviously trusted me to confide in me that he was a depressive. Right. And the funny thing was... How old was he? He's 30. Right, okay. Uh, and he confided to me in his mother's depression, and he confided to me, started to today, in his own depression. Right. And I, I, you know, I'm obviously going to pick it up with him and see how he gets on. But the interesting thing was, and this is quite funny in a way, and I think you've got to see the humour in it, or else another podcast of depression is just going to be miserable. And he still has a prejudice about depressed people. 
almost. Because he was like, yeah, I know he's tedious, and the last thing I want to talk about is, is misery. That just makes it worse. And he sort of sniggered, as if even being a depressive person, <laughs> he still sort of had a residual, um, even he, uh, and someone who you'd expect wouldn't have, uh, has got a slight sort of, uh, uh, you know, downer on. Well, Richard, I, <clears throat> I, I suppose there is the, um, the the truism, which is that it's kind of difficult to be around someone when they're when they're in their depths of depression, isn't it? Do you think? I would imagine. I've not lived with uh, uh, someone who's been deeply uh, depressed, but it must be difficult. You, a, you love them and you want them not to suffer, and B, of course. <laughs> Being around someone who's miserable uh, rubs off, I would imagine. I, I, I want to pick up on your other point, actually, which is really interesting, which is it's okay to be socially detached. And, I, of course, it is. Did I say it's okay to be socially detached? Yeah, yeah. I think I said it was a part detached. of depression. I didn't, I didn't say it was necessarily um, something that people would necessarily want. No, but I think you said, I think you said, but it's okay to be socially detached. And is it a natural state? Because I don't want to talk about your book because you you get far too big headed. But your book. Oh, I love to. (laughs) Let's talk about your book. It's funny you should teach my book, my uh, How Sadness Survived book. (laughs) Ah, yes. I uh, believe that's the title. Which, uh, yeah. Running at number uh, 120,000, I think, in the Amazon top million. (laughs) So kind. I'm joke. I I, I like the book and I like the central (laughs) premise. I like the theory, How Sadness Survived is that it serves a purpose. It's still on the first print run. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, I've got an original. I've got an original per- impression. Well, I, th- yeah, that, that idea certainly um, I thought would be a nice counterpoint to the stigma that's around about depression being a kind of weakness or, uh, or even dangerous or... <laughs> Or, yeah, or, or a sign of madness. Or, or, or a sign of madness or something that is socially contagious. If you have a depressed person yeah. in the room, is it going to spread to everybody yeah. else and bring the party yeah. down? You know? exactly. <laughs> Whereas actually, is it, as, as, you, um, as you, uh, uh, your thesis in your book says, is it a natural reaction to unbearable stress? Well, it's certainly not a weakness of personality. I hate that idea. What my book was examining was the idea that if you're uh, engaged in an endeavour which is not leading to any kind of fruitful payoff and yeah. you're completely and that's stressing you out over time yeah depression will eventually kick in to put the brakes on take you out the side of that yeah that um that 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 situation where you're chasing that rainbow and not getting there um because it's an impossible for whatever reason it's an impossible goal which actually might not be rational but if that's how you're feeling you'll be trapped in that cage that you can't escape from and then and then you talk yeah. about the learned helplessness of the Experiment with dogs. Well, that's it. It's a, it's seen in all mammals. The original learned helplessness experiments by Seligman were designed to shock the dog so that it, so the dog was in a cage and there were electrified plates on the floor and the dog initially was able to move away from the from one side of the cage to the other to escape the shock and then. The paradigm shifted so that wherever wherever the dog moved, they were shocked, and that carried on for a while until the dog then decided, okay, well, I'm just going to conserve energy here. I'm not stupid. It's going to, you know, whatever Very happens. Natural. Did he try? I'm, help, I'm helpless to do anything to to escape this shock. Mm. And then they they reverted to the original paradigm, so the dog was able to to escape the shocks, but the dog remained motionless. I think that was the important thing. Mm. So. The dog had then ad- adopted a state of learned helplessness, 
so even when the dog was then able to move around to escape the adversity it no longer did so that's sort of a good analogy for depression and uh, i think it's so, and if so if you're de- if you were depressed put yourself in a depressed person's situation and you were told uh, you are suffering terribly but it's a natural response do you yeah. think that would be of some comfort yeah i think it is a, a, of some comfort yeah this idea that um you can keep straining the spring for a while until it goes past its elastic limit and then it doesn't go back back again um it's uh not only is that something that is probably uh part of the human condition uh but is is also pretty common um there's another thing so it's part of the human condition but it exists as a safety catch if you withdraw yourself if you're if you have a, a, a irresistible urge to withdraw yourself from this stressful situation yeah. that's going to be good for you because the brain can reset perhaps this is the the thought that well, if it, once you're out of that situation, uh, as long as you catch depression early enough, um, you might be able to work out what went wrong mm. and uh, and not do that again. I think the idea is that you make more radical changes then, because depression really is quite a, a debilitating condition. Yeah, there's not you can't just shrug it off and next day carry on doing the same thing. So it's going to be around for weeks or, or months. Depression so it sounds so. like a bit of a cliche, but your brain is trying to tell you something quite literally. It's, yeah. it's not madness at all, and it's not weakness. It is. It is a reaction. It's like it's like or blacking out if or, you've got not enough sugar in your blood blood system. This idea that it's a defense rather than a disorder, right? Or right. defense rather right. than a disease, disease, if you like. Yeah, I would have thought that's very helpful to a sufferer. Yeah, um, because it must be overwhelming. You must think I'm going insane. You must think I'll never feel right the same again. You must be fairly dramatic in order for you to be socially withdrawn. I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your bell curve? You were dying to talk about the bell curve. No, no, forget the bell. Well, the bell curve, I've already said, so that's like most people, I think, oh, would, I think. would be prone to depression under the, under mm. certain mm. circumstances. So then it, so that that is comforting, I think. Because so one of the things people experience when they're depressed is, oh, God, I'm a freak, you know, I'm going crazy. Uh, they're feeling guilt and shame. They're, 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 they're already, ironically, because of the condition, sort of beating themselves yeah, up about yeah, being yeah, depressed. Yeah, yeah. I should be better than this. I should be functioning better mm. than this. Rather than if you had flu, you'd be like, oh, you wouldn't be thinking, oh, I should be yeah. functioning better than yeah. this. Yeah. You'd be like, no, yeah. I'm going to have to stay in my bed until I feel better. And we, if you're depressed, it's okay to do that too. It's yeah. like, well, I'm just going to be patient with myself mm. until get until I get better. I realize I'm not going to be able to do as much. Mm. Um, and I think what friends and family can do during that is is uh, have fewer expectations of them. Don't say uh, you know snap out of it and oh, you know, God, all that yeah, stuff. Um, Realise that this is not something they're going to be able to snap out of quickly, but um, patiently perhaps escort them to do various activities, uh, but not expect too much and set set reasonable targets. Make make, make set maybe reasonable reasonable targets, yeah. get people to do something yeah, in the day. And there's still most people who are depressed still have will have a capacity for some pleasure. So. Pleasant activity scheduling is one of the things that psychologists talk about where, where in the early acute phases of depression, before you start perhaps going deeper into why, what psychological factors were leading you to put yourself into in this so, stress, Are you talking about situation. getting out of the crisis? Getting out of the crisis or just treat, just sort of, just being, just being kind to yourself while you're in that, in that rather moribund state, you know. Great uh, use of the word moribund. You don't want to be... Um, 
moping about all day with your own depressive thoughts. What know? I really like about this theory you're talking about is A, the use of the word moribund, uh, which I knew Thanks. you talked over, but that was excellent. But also uh, treating it as if it was flu, treating it as if it was you, you needed insulin, uh, and we'll come on to drugs in a later episode, mm. uh, um, and, and, and to where they play. But to just consider it to be a normal state of mind, it's a shitty thing that's happening to me, but I'm going to manage it uh, and have my friends and family um, help me manage it. I think that yeah. must be a very, very positive message for sufferers. I hope it is. I mean, I hope people... Well, so I, I do find that there are some bosses out there that are really, really great because I've had some patients in my clinic where they've, said that they've told the, the boss, they've been absolutely terrified to tell the boss what they might say. And the boss has gone, oh, God, oh, that's awful. No, your, your mental health comes first, absolutely. Mm. Um, do you want to reduce your hours? Do you want to take time off? Um, probably the best thing... Uh, for most people, is to reduce the hours because you don't want to do nothing because do that's nothing. what rumination can, presumably can, comes in. Well, I think this is, then you might have that added layer of, of of oh god, I'm useless. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's um, ironically, yeah, yeah. Oh god, he yeah. doesn't want to do anything. It depends how severely depressed you are. But what is important for people is to know that people care about them, but those people are not putting huge amounts of pressure on them mm. to perform. As they were, which they wouldn't do if you had flu, right? They wouldn't say, "Oh, come on, get out of bed." Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Or if you had a broken leg, um, you know, that was weak. I can't believe your bone snapped with just yeah. that amount of talk. Yeah. You why, can't you, uh, why can't Before you? Why can't you? Why can't you walk on your uh, on your broken leg again now after a week? You, come the on, Spartans could. Come on, you, you, when they were stoning the Stoics. You got to pay. You know, there's job. There's there's work to be done. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Mm. I, I can imagine that being a. I, I think it was really interesting. You talk about work. And not only you can be a good boss by saying, I completely understand what you need to do, but also suggest reduced hours. Because you can imagine a highly stressful job, long hours being one of the causes of getting into an exhausted state, which potentially leads to depression. Not only having someone who's um, sympathetic, but having someone who's sort of part of the solution, which is we'll have you do two days. So you'll still feel that you're contributing and you'll um, yeah. potentially get out of this. It's a very, very um, sort of optimistic way of thinking. Well, uh, we've got a long way to go. This uh, British Social Attitudes Survey from 2016, um, when presented with a description of a person experienced symptoms which met the diagnostic criteria of depression, 82% said they wouldn't feel comfortable uh, having them look after their children. Whoa! Well, I guess some people are sensitive about their kids, but no less. I suppose even the most time. minor risk, yeah. you say, no way. But then 64% wouldn't feel comfortable having them marry into their family. Well, that's a bit harsh. That's because high, that, man. Because, uh, uh, you know, that you just think, oh, where does that come from? Does it come from an idea that, oh, well, they're depressed, they're, they've got depression, they're always going to be like that, or they're depressed because they're weak and they'll probably have another yeah. one. They'll have or, kids who are depressed? I don't know. What the people thinking? I don't know. And 35% wouldn't feel comfortable having them as a colleague. That 20, is still a hell of a lot of people. One yeah. in three people saying, I wouldn't feel happy yeah. having them as one of your colleagues. So how is that going to make you feel if you are depressed? Is that going to make you feel you want to come out and say, oh, hi, uh, I'm <laughs> suffering from depression. I'm feeling a bit bad today. I might go home early. Uh, because I suffer from depression, it's it's not going to help. I don't well, blame these people for having these prejudices. It's 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 simply ignorance. It's ignorance and it's something and fear, that can be changed. It? Yeah, and it's uh, mm. I don't actually blame or am angry with these people. I'm surprised, mm. but it's it's got to be about it's got to be about education, surely. 
Well, I think I think it's it's counterproductive for an employer to say they wouldn't feel comfortable having someone who's had depression or is having de- or is going through depression as a as a as a colleague, because if that colleague's valuable to you, if that colleague has skills you need and aptitudes you need, then it's absolutely in your interest to nurture them back to health, yeah. be a bit patient, yeah. and do whatever you can for them. It's funny, it's like saying, I wouldn't really fancy having a diabetic sat next to me uh, at work. It's, it's, <laughs> it's that crazy. Someone who's got a slight insulin imbalance. Well, I don't... There's probably more days off work caused by back problems than there are by depression. I'm so... very uncomfortable working with someone with a back problem. Very, very. I wouldn't have a married the family. That's for sure. Someone with a back problem marrying into the family. So if it's just about days off work, or it's just about work performance, you know, that's not. You know, is it people are on that on that basis? You would say I don't want anyone over the age of uh, (laughs) forty who's likely to have lumbar, (laughs) lower back problems. Lifting up my child. Do you think uh, passing the salt? There's a sort of medieval or uh, passing the beer. Sort of primeval fear of mental health. Uh, in that it equates in some people's minds, and again, I don't blame them for this prejudice, to madness. Mm. And people have a natural fear of madness because our brains are what differentiates us from the other animals. Madness <laughs> is a sign of something awry in the brain, and therefore I don't want to be close to it, I don't want to be associated with it. But your theory is it's nothing to do with madness. It's to do with a perfectly sane brain acting in a perfectly rational way because it's been overloaded. And that yeah. takes away, to me, a lot of that fear about I'm sat next to a depressive, I'm sat next to a madman or madwoman. Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't keep, you know, carrying on in a state of, of stress without there being consequences. Something's going to give eventually, you know. We're not superhuman. We have a brain that is adapted for a hunter-gatherer environment where if we had situations of extreme stress, it was easier for us to take time out we were living in close-knit communities where other people would take on your role for a while and mm-hmm. be in their best interests and, in fact, important for their survival to nurture you back. Something that just occurred to me, no judgment, right? So if you're one of the people who's yeah. supposed to be out on a hunt and you're lying down and you're you know, disengaged with the rest of the tribe, the tribe aren't going to go, well, he's rubbish. Or Depressed rubbish warrior. <laughs> There's your title for the next <laughs> like their third album. No. <laughs> That's right, they went a bit experimental, didn't they? Uh, they were supporting <laughs> pulp last time. So anyway, point is, uh, they reformed. They what? Depressed warrior? No pulp. pulp. No, it was a gag. Uh. <laughs> anyway, depressed warrior. I lies that gag think on top of some real facts. No, that'd be great, wouldn't it, Jarvis? Hey, it won't be long, you know. They're it's got to be. It. He's got to be running out of money. <laughs> Maybe One Direction they're, they're reforming No he did alright He's probably a, a fair amount Of Dosh from Radio 6 Didn't he Yeah but that, that lady on And he's not doing that She wants some money Yeah she'll want a bit of money She'll have a She'll have an Unexpected tax bill Anyway What was her name, point, was her yeah. name? Oh, I can't remember no, She was great Yeah So um, the your, your depressed hunter Is just going to chill out And they're going to they're going to just uh, they're just going to allow it. They've got no choice really. They're not going to kill the guy. They're just going to leave him, and then eventually, because <laughs> that comes a period of history where we kill. Well, I guess if you people. killed him, you wouldn't have to feed him. I don't know. It's a thought. Yeah, but but no. I Let's think, put that I to think... the chief. <laughs> What's happened to a depressed warrior? His musical output's gone down. Kill him. It's fine. He's not going to be lying on the floor. I mean, presumably he could be put on cooking duties, or or I don't know, tearing flesh off bone duties, or. Whatever, Cutting gathering, hours. gathering berry. No, that's a I don't know. gathering. That's stressful. The hunters were the top dogs. 
Unless you were a bit depressed, you were a gatherer. Yeah, I'm not feeling up to hunting. Maybe, maybe a shelter builder, or, or maybe you mended the shelter. It's funny you put the, the, the shelter is always going to need a bit of uh, maintenance. You know, just by putting er on the end of something doesn't make it a job, like shelter builder <laughs> or uh, <laughs> making well, of the fencer. Well, we don't have words for it because we, we you know, we're not hunter gatherers anymore. No. We went to the, I don't know, the um, what's that um, farming? I think it's called, isn't it? Rift Valley, and asked them, <laughs> they might have a word for it. Sadly, we can't. Oh, yeah. too depressed. I mean, uh, campfire builder. That's like a nice it. one. That right? would probably be quite prestigious. It's a fair and fairly minimal. It's frustrating, isn't it? If you're depressed, very minimal effort. You, what? Have Which you is perfect for a depressed person. Together. Have you ever? Oh uh, yeah, but you only have to do it for. I mean, it's only going to take you if you know what you're doing. No, you'll get a couple him doing of minutes that with the flint. Oh, and a great result, oh, right? Which is going to make you feel oh, less. Oh, oh, I'm useless at everything. I can't even light a fire. No. I don't think that's going to be a great no, job for really a depressed person. You don't really think it through, do you? No, no, no. I, think I was just looking at, thinking of the upside. Do you know what I think? Look if, he, if he lights it and it turns into a roaring, roaring fire, <laughs> it's going to perk him up a bit. I was just thinking of the upside. I wasn't yeah. thinking about, like, oh, my God. Well, have you ever tried to use flint? It's an absolute nightmare. Hmm. I mean, it's enough to make you depressed, even if you were fine before you started flinting. If yeah. you were fine, the flint. God, the humiliation. So I'm going to take the flint off you and do it. Oh, God. Right, you're back on berries. You try. Back on berries. Back off, on berries. But I've just come off berries. No. Uh, well, look, no, we don't know. We're having to guess what hunter-gatherers, because these days hunter-gatherers are not, they're all exposed to modern life anyway, aren't they? In relatively cheerful. There's a wall that's a bit... Um, but I, I did read that there was some somewhere that perhaps the incidence or sorry, prevalence of depression was lower in hunter-gatherers, but I'd, I'd need to follow that up. Um, I still like your theory. How sad has survived? I mean, even if the pre- pre- prevalence was less, and the Hong Kong example of the postnatal is brilliant because th- th- there's probably a link. I mean, you can't say it scientifically between mm. support from the family and lack of postnatal depression. Postnatal depression, my idea of hell, it must be absolutely awful. People are expecting you to be happy. What a wonderful thing has happened in your life, and, and, and you're and you're feeling depressed. It must be just hideous. Um, but I can't help but thinking it's always had a role. Well, I think it's all. I think I think what's critical to people's uh, reducing people's prejudices is is pointing out the fact that depression is something that is um, an episode, just like Uh an episode of viral illness. It is an episode. Mm. I I think the people that end up, you know, certain interesting studies have suggested that those who end up with chronic depression are the ones that've got something else going on. Drug, oh, really? maybe drug or alcohol misuse, physical, like a chronic physical pain. So due to, due to isn't due, going away. Right, kind of right. So when there's something else mm. that's that's perpetuating it. And, and of course, there are social, uh, sociological factors in modern life that weren't there for hunter-gatherers that will entrap you in certain social situations. With a hunter-gatherer with, brain still wired right, to hunter-gatherer. Not wired for that. We're yeah, not wired yeah, for living yeah. a 10, 10 floors of a council flat. Your personal yeah. independence payment's yeah. being denied. Yeah. You've got, I don't know, a boyfriend who beats you or something, mm. and, and you've got a kid that you've got to raise. I don't know, all those sorts of things. Or even um, deadlines at work, even more prosaic things like, I've got a report. Or middle class stresses. Middle class stresses. Well, you've got a mortgage to pay, haven't you? You've got a mortgage to pay. And That's someone could make you redundant. Yeah. And um, and then, then what are you going to do? If you've got kids as well. And and that thing of how, that, how we suddenly move from a situation in the 1950s where... It, you could raise a family on one income 
we're now in a situation where you can't yeah. raise, a, raise a family without two incomes. And it all and seems claustrophobic and panicky and I can't get out of this. And there's a cycle, even from being trapped in a high rise to an abusive relationship. Where, to yeah. looking up for, it all mm. is that stress of not being able to escape. So to sum up then, we have been talking about stigma, I guess, and coming out. And we have covered the idea that ain't your problem, ain't your fault that you got depressed. It's because of the way modern life's set up sometimes right yeah and your brain's wired it's a it's an escape mechanism for when the pressure gets too much yeah. that's what i've learned yeah so uh i hope this has been kind of interesting and useful in some respects um what we're going to do in future episodes is we're going to try and tail them with some uh depressive heroes right well, that's a good idea yeah so people uh <laughs> around at the moment uh not your hunter gatherers or but dead ones. You can be dead Fry's people, can't you? The people that uh, we think uh, who've uh, suffered from depression, had fairly major depressions, but also achieved immense things in life. By the way, we're not making out that it, there's something heroic about being depressed. What these people are are people who have been depressed and are heroes in our eyes because they've been honest about it, open about it, and they've let people know about it and, and helped yeah. and helped other people. But even get if they haven't it. been honest about it and talked about it, they're still heroes, right? Because yeah. not all the people we're going to talk about necessarily come out. That's a very good point. So uh, that's absolutely right, actually. So <laughs> it's either that, and that tends to be the more modern hero, or heroes from the past who, looking back on their lives, look like they suffered heavily from depression right. and yet achieved amazing things. Hey, thanks for joining us on Why the Long Face. As ever, we're here to inform, hopefully, and entertain, but we're not here to give you medical advice. There is, however, information on our website about where to get help. See you next time.